Well, good morning and welcome to College Hills. If you're watching online, we want you to know that you're always a welcome guest. And if you're here in person and visiting today, we want you to know that you are our honored guest as well. We hope that you'll stick around for our Bible classes. I want you to know that I am not preaching on Jonah and the big fish right off the bat. I'm also not preaching about Peter walking on the water or anything else like that. But tomorrow we have an amazing event happening here at the building, and I hope you are aware of it. We have VBS, and VBS is one of those things we haven't done in, in a couple of years, and so we hope that everyone ages three all the way through sixth grade will be a part of this amazing event that's happening tomorrow. I tell you, Hope has an army of volunteers ready, and so I hope that you will do your part to make this an amazing event. And if you haven't done anything, here's your opportunity. There is a postcard in the children's wing. You can give a personal invitation today and go out and welcome someone to be with us tomorrow at VBS. Well, today I'm gonna continue that life-changing conversation series with Jesus. And we're gonna be talking about this woman who's caught in the act of adultery. We're gonna be parked in John chapter eight. And so if you wanna go to your Bibles, that's where we're going to be most of the time today, and um, I'll tell you, this is one of those stories, when you read it, it's just stunning that this happens, that they would bring in a woman caught in the very act of adultery in the middle of a Bible class and try to bring Jesus down, but that's exactly what they tried to do. Well, let's read it in its entirety, John chapter 8, verses 2 through 11. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him. He sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, go now and leave your life of sin. Let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning knowing that we are just like this woman. We are separated because of our sins. And Father, we know that in all things you hold the power to redeem and restore and heal in the palm of your hand. So Father, we call on the name of Jesus. This morning, we ask you to open our hearts to the message, and Father, that you give me the gift of preaching and teaching today. Father, thank you for your Son and our Savior. We ask this through Christ. Amen. Well, this is an amazing story. This is an amazing thing that happens because it hits on so many levels, and if you think about it, this connects to so many people because, number one, not only does it show us the heart of God and his love and mercy for humanity, but it also gives us a picture of natural evil. It gives us a picture of hypocrisy in the eyes of these so-called religious leaders that are dressed up as righteousness. 
And it also demonstrates the holiness of God and the severity of the law, while at the same time gives us a clear picture of redemption and restoration. You see, the truth is we are lost without hope. We are guilty of sin, deserving punishment. And so this is, in a sense, a microcosm of the entire gospel message. We are lost without the help of Jesus Christ, without the healing and grace, and without what Jesus did for us at Calvary. So what I want to do right now is to focus on this woman. And I want to ask you a question. Have you ever experienced public shame and scrutiny? And if you've ever witnessed it, if you've ever been the recipient of it, or if you've ever been the person that dished it out, it's something that you will remember for the rest of your life. Well, this woman, there was a 16-year-old woman in 2012. Her name was Gabby Douglas. And she was the first African-American woman to win a gold medal in both gymnastics team events and the all-around Olympic competition in London. But instead of celebrating this monumental achievement in Olympic history, people were focused on her hair. Do you remember this? Do you remember? They were so over the top on social media, they were ruthless with some of their comments that it literally brought her to tears. I don't know what it is in humanity that causes us when we see self-destruction and humiliation, we just draw our eyes on it. And a lot of times it's not genuine concern. I mean, it's the same thing that happens when there's a wreck on the highway. What do people do? They slow down, they look at it, they want to see the carnage, and not many people stop, and that's the unfortunate fact. But I want you to imagine this moment for this woman. Jesus is in the middle of a Bible class in the temple. It's not like there were 20 temples or 20 churches like we have in Middle Tennessee, right in this one-mile radius. There is one temple. He's teaching the class. And these righteous, high and mighty leaders come in with this woman and throw her half-naked at the feet of Jesus. She was caught in the act of adultery. Let's take a look at it again in verse 3. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group. Can you imagine? And said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They were using this as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. Now, when I hear this story, there are a lot of unanswered questions that I have. And if you think about it, here's just one of them. If this woman was caught in the act of adultery, where's the man? I mean, last time I checked, it took two people to commit adultery, right? So this could have been a setup. This could have been a man that was a political figure. They didn't mind ruining the girl's life, but didn't want to ruin his life. This could have been a Roman, not under the jurisdiction of the Jewish leaders. Or it could have been that this guy was in on it to begin with and trying to set up Jesus. And we think about the law of Moses a moment. The law of Moses does condemn an adulterer and the adulteress to death. Take a look at this verse. This is, when I read it, I, I almost cringe reading it. Both the adulterer and the adulteress are to be put to death. It's in the law. 
So here's a question. Why didn't Jesus just say, yes, it's there? There it is. Well, why was it a trap to begin with? Well, let me tell you, it, it was a trap because if Jesus condemns this woman by the law and she's taken out and punished and, and stoned to death, and although it's, he would have been a friend to the, to the Jewish leaders and the, and the law of Moses, they would have wasted no time to go to the Romans and tell them that Jesus had done this. You see, it was illegal for anyone to ca carry on a capital punishment without the strict permission of the Roman government. So he would have been accused of creating an insurrection or an uprising in the city, challenging the very authority of the Roman Empire. Not to mention, he has this new gospel that is all about forgiveness. How many times is, is Peter supposed to forgive? Not seven times, but 77 times. So he was in a no-win situation. Either he is for, either he is against the Romans, or he's against the law of Moses. So when we think about the Old Testament laws, we realize that some of them are very, very harsh. And you ask yourself, why was God so harsh in the Old Testament? But you have to understand something. God is holy. He is perfect in every way. Every sin separates us from God. Not just the big ones, not just adultery, not just murder, but every sin separates us from God. We also have to realize that the law was given to show us right from wrong, but it was not only given to show us right from wrong, but to show us the nature of God and the seriousness of sin. Folks, sin always separates us from God. So what do we do? We've heard these verses all of our lives. We've heard the verses like Romans chapter 3, verses 10 and, and 23, that no one is righteous, not even one, and all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. What do we do with that? Well, we'll get to that. But here we are in the middle of this story. There's a woman at the feet of Jesus, half naked, and these righteous leaders want an answer. Let's take a look at it in verse 6. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Now I want you to notice Jesus in this moment. He's not shaken. He's not upset. He's not out of control. He's not frazzled. He is completely at peace in this moment. And this is a dramatic moment. Make no mistake about it. They were going to be talking about this event at lunch that day. But I'll tell you, he never was out of self-control. He had self-control. He was in tune with the Spirit and the will of God. And he was connected to the Father and connected to the ultimate purpose to redeem a broken world. The more that we look at Jesus, the more that we see this characteristic throughout his life. In fact, I want you to remember the moment right before he was arrested. We, we have this scene where Jesus is literally praying all night long. He's praying so fervently and so hard. The Bible describes it as he begins to sweat and it's like blood drops. 
But while he's praying, he knows what's about to unfold, that they're going to be a band of soldiers with Judas in tow, and they're going to come, and they're going to arrest Jesus, and he's going to go before a mock trial, and he's going to be crucified, he's going to be flogged, and he's going to have to face some unbelievable circumstances. But then when the band of soldiers come into the garden, you know what he does? He walks straight up to the lead soldier, calmly and confidently let's take a look at it in john chapter 18 jesus knowing all that was going to happen to him went out and asked them who is it you want jesus of nazareth they replied i am he jesus said and judas the traitor was standing there with them when jesus said i am he they drew back and fell to the ground can you imagine this moment they are so stunned that Jesus would have the confidence and the calm and peace within him that he would just walk straight up to the lead soldier in this moment that they literally fell to the ground. They could not believe that Jesus was so calm in this moment. And it reveals the heart and nature of God. God wants peace for us. He wants all of us to experience it. But peace is a choice. If you are wanting for the circumstances of your life to provide peace, you will rarely experience it. I think most people believe that's, that there's something in their experience that, that as a result of the absence of worry, that's when I experience peace. In other words, if everything in my life is without pain or struggle, then and only then can I experience true peace. If that's what you believe, then you're going to be waiting for a very, very long time to experience it in fact paul says it a little bit differently he says it in in philippians chapter 4 verse 6 do not be anxious about anything what does that mean don't leave your state of peace but in every situation by prayer and petition you know what jesus did right before that huge event he prayed all night long by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your request to god and the peace of god which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So right now, what I want you to do is to look at the person next to you, and I want you to take your finger and wag it right at them, and I want you to say with calm and confidence, God is with you. Do it right now. Say it. God is with you. Let me hear you say it. Wag your finger. I want to see it. Wag your finger. God is with you. Folks, God is with us. He will never leave you. He will never forsake us. You know, when I was in seventh grade, I was given the assignment to read the Chronicles of Narnia. How many of you have read that series? Well, I love it. I, I still remember all those stories. And one of my favorite stories is Prince Caspian. And a few years ago, they did a movie, and at the end of that movie, there's a, an amazing scene. Lucy, the youngest of the four siblings, is standing opposite on the other side of the bridge, and there's an approaching army coming at Lucy. And she is standing there with peace and calm, holding what looks like a paring knife against this unbelievable amount of people on the other side trying to kill her. And when that, that army comes on the bridge, Aslan, the lion, is not there. And they start strutting across because they can't believe that this girl would dare oppose them. And they start laughing. 
until Aslan, the lion, appears. And of course, you know if you've read the series that Aslan and all of the Narnia series is an allegory. Aslan represents Jesus. But I also want you to notice that Lucy never looks back. She knows. She is confident that Jesus is with her, that Aslan is with her. For us, it's Jesus, isn't it? But so many times in our lives, we let things unsettle us because we forget about the presence and power of God. You see, when Aslan appears, the enemy stops dead in their tracks. You see, godly peace acts as a shield as you're in your heart and your mind. So when the devil attacks, that shield reminds us of the power and presence of God. And Jesus knew that these teachers of the law and religious leaders, what they were trying to do to this woman, and yet he dismantled that unwinnable situation with one calm and easygoing but confident comment. Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And the Bible says that all of her accusers leave one by one from the oldest to the youngest until Jesus and this woman is left there all by themselves. And Jesus looks at her and asks, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. Now here we find a life-changing conversation with a woman unlike any other in the Bible. And I don't know if you realize it, but every one of us can connect to this woman. Every one of us deserves to be right there. Sure, we may not have done the big sins, but any sin separates us from God. Because in the same way, we will one day stand before our Creator. And we'll look around, and Jesus is going to look us in the eye, and He's going to say, look around you. There is no one here who condemns. Paul said it a little bit differently. He said it like this in Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So we ask, how can God be so holy and expect so much and yet look the other way when it comes to our sin? Well, the short answer is he doesn't. And what I'm about to say, you hear every single week from a pulpit somewhere, but please let it sink in. Jesus paid the price. He took our sins when he died on the cross. Because of what Jesus did, we find that God values mercy over judgment. James says it a little differently. He says mercy triumphs over judgment. What does that mean? It means that if God has a choice between mercy and judgment, guess what he chooses? 
mercy wins. So what does that mean? Now, as a Christian, I love the sound of mercy. And most people do. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He doesn't say, no one condemns you. Go on your way. He says, leave your life of sin. He says, leave your life of sin behind. Well, Jesus, I'm going to continue to sin. I'm a human being. So what do we do? Well, we walk in the light as he is in the light. The Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 1 that if we walk in the light as he is in the light, his blood continually cleanses us, washes away our sins, past, present, and future. But we have to walk in the light. And so we have two choices. We go through life, and we really do have two choices. We look at a broken world, and we see the same things. Folks, my parents were devout Christians. My mom died of cancer, and my dad died of another debilitating disease. And they died young. And it's not fair. But I tell you, they're in a better place. And someday, all of those who call on the name of Jesus will be together with him in eternity. And so we look at the same world and say, yes, it's broken. But God has restored and redeemed and healed his children. And so we walk in the light. So if you're here today and you haven't gotten into Jesus, the Bible talks about getting into Jesus. And I'll tell you how you do that. You do that by, by being baptized. When you're washed in the waters of baptism, you get into Jesus. You contact the blood of Christ. You, just like Jesus, are, you die to yourself. You are buried and resurrected. When you come out of that water, you become a new creation in Christ Jesus. Cleansed and redeemed, restored. But maybe you feel like a lot of people in this room. Maybe you don't feel like you've been walking in fellowship and in the light with God. Well, it's time to change that time for you to not leave this building unless you know for certain that you are in Christ Jesus. Today, if you want to make that decision and be baptized, what an amazing picture that would be, wouldn't it? Make, man, that would be incredible. We'd love to help you in that way, but maybe you're here and you don't feel like you've been walking in the light. Whatever your needs are, let's come right now while together we stand and sing.